By the grace of God, I am what I am. And so, O oh God, we pray for the one who preaches this morning, for you know that his sins are many. Amen. Good morning. Well, I want to be brief today because I want to make sure that we all have time to make it over to Ellis Hall after the service to watch the children's musical, coincidentally titled By the Sea, in which I'm sure our children will surely do a much better job bringing this morning's gospel to life than I could ever do from the pulpit. And so I commend it to you. Speaking of theater and acting, this morning I believe our scriptures are inviting us as individuals and as a community to imagine what it might look like to live life off script. Off script. You know, in every field, there are certain money words that learned people use to signal to their colleagues just how smart they are. And when I was in seminary, one of those buzzwords on our term paper bingo cards was the phrase cultural hegemony. Cultural hegemony. Doesn't that sound smart? Well, it actually comes out of political theory, but it's basically a fancy term for describing the ways in which the societies and cultures we inhabit hand down certain scripts that we are conditioned to follow, ideologies that serve to perpetuate the status quo. And I think that these scripts that were handed down have a lot to do with, the many, with many of the observations about life that in 2019 end up making their way onto funny memes on social media. Those things that name something so true, so relatable, that we might not even notice until someone points it out. Because it's just the air we breathe. It's the water we drink. For instance, at the societal level, right, there's the script that has long told us that we're supposed to do certain things at certain ages. And so as, as a 29-year-old, when I look on social media, there is an overwhelming abundance of wedding photos, birth announcements, baby photos, pictures of first houses appearing on my news feed on a regular basis, such that it can cause many to feel anxiety or pressure around forcing their lives to conform to that kind of very conventional timeline. And so the meme around that is one that I saw a happily unwed friend of mine post the other day, and it said, all my friends are getting married and having kids, and here I am happily eating a whole pint of ice cream and posting 5,000 pictures of my cat on the internet. (laughs) That's just one of the many scripts that we've inherited, right? You can think of others. Family expectations, gender norms, class designations, and then there's all those idealized versions of ourselves that we hold in our minds and curate outwardly. Each of us have patterns of life and behaviors with which we are expected to align, to conform. So believe it or not, in the Church of England, there's actually this massively popular introductory course to Christianity called the Alpha Course. And it's been used to introduce the Christian faith to literally over a million people in England. And one of the most popular advertisements they ever ran was a video 
a video promotion that actually showed the outline of a man and a woman on a conveyor belt in a whimsical human production factory. And so this machine spits out two people out of a funnel. They grow up, go to school, go to work, get married, have some kids, buy a car, buy a house, go to the retirement home, die, and it's over. And then the tagline of the course pops up and it asks this question. Is there more to life than this? Is there more to life than this? My friends, this morning, I want to tell you that there is more to life than this. This morning, I believe Jesus wants to show us that there is more to life than this. Because when Jesus preached his first sermon back in Luke chapter 4, what he was doing was tearing up the script the world has given us, profoundly interrupting the status quo. Good news for the poor, freedom for captives, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed, freedom for us all. And now in chapter 5, Jesus has been teaching and healing throughout Galilee, and the word about him has spread. His fame is increasing, and as our reading begins today, the crowds have gathered at the shore of the sea, wondering, I believe, in their hearts, is there more to life? Than this. The text tells us that the crowds were pressing in on Jesus, pressing in on this teacher to hear the word of God. Not unlike us, as we come to this place week after week, you probably know that in traditional church architecture, the main body of the church is called the nave, as in the nave of a ship. And if you look up, the ceiling looks like a hull of a boat. For we come here time and again amidst the rocky seas of life to hear the word of God, to seek a word of peace, to ask, is there more to life than this? Perhaps that's the question Simon and his friends carried in their hearts as they heard Jesus teaching after a long night of fishing in which they didn't catch a thing. I'm sure many of us can relate to the feeling, as studies consistently show that around 70% of Americans are dissatisfied with the amount of stress they experience in the workplace, citing economic uncertainty, job security, compensation, lack of production and productivity among the factors. Certainly, Peter and his friends were not exempt from these challenges. And can you imagine how discouraged and deflated they must have felt when Jesus, the itinerant rabbi, finished his sermon in the boat and then tried to tell these professional fishermen how to do their job? Really, you want to tell us how to fish? We've been at it all night long. We know what we're doing. And yet Jesus says to them, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Who knows what compelled them to do it? After all, doing the same thing over and over 
Expecting different results is indeed the very definition of insanity. But something about this Jesus convinced them to try just one more time. Maybe they wanted to prove him wrong. Maybe Simon and his friends were just desperate enough to believe that the one who had healed his mother-in-law might be able to help them too. Whatever the case, they did what Jesus told them to do. They put out into the deep water and they let down their nets for a catch. And when they did, they brought in so many fish that the nets broke and their boat began to sink. Mind blown. Script ripped apart about what God can do. When Simon saw this miracle, it changed his life. Literally goes, Luke literally goes from calling him Simon to in the next verse changing his name, calling him Simon Peter. And such awe came over him and the presence and power of the Almighty that echoing Isaiah and Moses and all the prophets who tremble in the presence of God and take off their shoes on holy ground, Simon responds to Jesus saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You see, maybe it's just the cynic in me, but I think there was at least part of Simon Peter who just did what Jesus told him to do because he was looking forward later to saying, I told you so. And yet Jesus displayed divine power so undeniable that Simon Peter is able to experience the love and care of our God, who is gracious and gentle and good to us, even in the midst of our doubts, our cynicism, our disappointments. And as those nets broke under the weight of God's abundance, so was Simon Peter's mind and heart and soul broken open as his Lord and teacher Jesus ripped apart the script in his mind about how the world must work and about how his life would be. Terrified and trembling, Jesus exhorts Simon Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people, just as Jesus had caught him. And here's the kicker. Simon Peter left everything and followed. And, you know, while I had planned to use this ripping of the script as an illustration, I came to the pulpit this morning and realized it it wasn't planned, but the final uh, page of my sermon is missing. (laughs) Really wasn't planned. (laughs) But I just want to leave us with this. I want us to think this morning... What would it look like for you to live life off script? How is the voice of God whispering in your heart, calling you out? Because my friends, there is more. There is deep water. But that old preacher's adage is right. Many are ready to accept Christ as Savior for the comfort and consolation that he brings us. Few are ready to follow him as Lord. We aren't called to church simply 
to be comforted and consoled, but as the people of God, we are called out into the water. We are called. We are commissioned. We are sent forth as people unafraid, sent back into the rocky waves and winds of life to live life off script, to leave everything behind. In your family, in your job, in your heart, what would that look like this morning? What would it look like to just bring a little bit of Marie Kondo to your life? What can you let go of that's old so that you can receive something new, something more? How is Jesus calling you out into the deep to have the courage to let your nets down? To allow your heart and your mind and that script that you're following to be broken open so that you can live life unscripted. My friends, there is more. There is deep water. May we have the grace to hear that voice calling us out today. And may we have the courage to rise up and follow. In a world that is so easy to say, here I am, Lord. Send somebody else. May we have the faith to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen.